Why, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start. Let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life, different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo, this gives me the collie while I was just thinking about it. Today we're going to be starting out in chapter 28 of Exodus. Moses is still talking to God for the last apparently 40 days. There's still a lot going on and God's giving him instructions. Uh, without any further ado, Exodus chapter 28, verse 1. Now take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithakar, or Ith- Ithamar. It, it hammer? It hammer. Uh, verse 2. You shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. For glory and for beauty. That's interesting. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, and they may make Aaron's garments and consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest, and these are the garments which they shall make. A breastplate, an ephod, a rod, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. So they, I feel, I feel like honestly, like like Bob Barker on the prices right now. now. <laughs> and you want a tunic and a finely woven. <laughs> Did you say rod? I have a robe. Robe. Yes. I have a robe as well. Okay, so instead, uh, did I say robe? Oh, no, it is a robe. Oh, my bad. Yeah, my bad. I think you got ephod and rye. <laughs> so robe mixed together. I, I think I did. Okay, so a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. So they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, that he may minister to me as priest. I find it interesting that God said, did you see what the two reasons are why he's making all this stuff? To minister to him. I wonder what that means. Well, also, check verse 2. The last yeah, part mine, of verse 2. Mine says dignity and honor. Mine says glory and beauty. Yeah, mine says glory and beauty as well. Dignity and honor. For glory and for beauty. Glorify God, honor God, okay. Dignity. Dignity, beauty. I guess well, if I... anybody wants any proof that God wants things to be beautiful, here it is right here. <laughs> <laughs> or or dignified. No, I guess I could see that, Tom. Dignified? Like, because if you're dignified, you're obviously um, caring about your dress, the way you wear, the way you're hold, you carry yourself. It depends on how you define dignified. Some people look at dignified as top hat, nose in the air, 
<laughs> Kane. I, I suppose, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm partial to the top hat. I kind of like the, top part, <laughs> the nose in the air. No, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna. I guess the most of the rest of this is talking about the clothing. Go into this. So, verse five. They shall take the gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and the fine linen, and they shall make the ephod of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and the fine woven linen artistically worked. It shall have two shoulder straps joined at its two edges, and so it shall join together. And the skillfully, I like Tom's, skillfully woven band of the ephod, which is on it, shall be of the same worksmanship made of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen. Then you shall take two ox onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone and six of the names on the other stone in order of their birth. With the work of the engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall set them in settings of gold, and you shall put the two stones on the shoulders. Uh, Whoa, okay, this is going to be heavy. Shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the stones of Israel. So Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. You shall also make settings of gold, and you shall make two chains of pure gold like braided braided cords, so like cables, and fasten the braided chains in settings. Does anybody have any comments on the ephod? <laughs> well, you read a lot. I mean, we can go back to the clothing. Gold, blue, and purple, scarlet, and fine linen. I mean, look at what they're wearing. God's law, royalty, color of royalty. Law is blue. I forgot what gold is. <laughs> but come on to me, make them gold, themselves gold. Jesus said that once. So be as pure as gold. How they're talking about this, it, it, you know, with it being on shoulder pieces, it, it reminds me of like uh, like the military garb that they would wear with like the, the the squared out shoulders with all the laces and stuff on the on the sh- on the shoulders to adorn it. Uh, think of like uh, the old Street Fighter M Bison, the the bad guy that had the the big shoulder pads coming out and it had the the military threads. Oh. We were. Yeah, yeah. About clothes. Like the, the shoulder, the shoulder pads that are all adorned with things. Yep. Yeah, that looks like something I played on World of Warcraft. And I don't even think we've gotten into the entire description of it, because the ephod, part of the ephod, is the breastplate, and that's the whole next section. So, like this image here is just the image of like the whole thing. But like, okay, so the onyx stones. They had all the names carved into the onyx stones. If anybody wants to know what an ephod looks like, just picture Darth Vader's little uh, square box on his chest, but with rubies and other type of stones, diamonds and onyx and uh, 
all that. Actually, uh, can I sh share something with you about that? That actually, if you look, if and there is, it's funny. People who get like really, really into the whole Star Wars thing, if you study this out, actually had Jewish lettering and stuff put on Darth Vader's little like breastplate electronic thing, because he was trying to make it look like a religious ephod. Did you know that? <laughs> Yeah, no. he, he actually was. Yeah, like if you if you start studying into it and stuff, there's actually a whole there's a whole backstory behind that. Like he was trying to unify all the religious groups into the force kind of thing. It was real weird. That is too coincidental because they uh, it's often depicted that the Galactic Empire was the Nazis it was a form of Nazism or just directly taken from Nazi mannerisms. So was this, but but is this ephod, like, as far as going back to the Jews here, was this something that high priest always had to wear? Or was this just... According to this, I've, I've seen it before in other chapters, in other books. Doesn't it say that they're going to wear this for the generations to come in this very chapter? But that's what I mean, though, is I don't I don't think it would have been his common dress. I think it would have just been the ceremonial side of it. At least that's that's oh, my yeah. assumption. I could be wrong with that, though. And I don't I don't think that uh, it would have been traditional because, you know, this one here, it's got the onyx stones in, in uh, remembrance of the 12 sons of Israel. And to this point, they've been in Egypt, not not able to everybody worshiped their own God because they had so many other gods. So there was no, you know, one priest for, for just this. So I don't think they had any kind of traditional garb of any sort. I don't well, think they were allowed. Right. But I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, so, but this was, Jacob, he was allowed and they had their garments, but they didn't have like garments explained in here anyway, but he was allowed to worship God. What do you mean Jacob was allowed to worship God? Am I thinking of the wrong person? Joseph? Joseph? The one that became second in command overall. Yeah, jo yeah, Joseph. Joseph, okay, yeah. So, yeah, Jacob's the father, Joseph's the son. So, yeah, Joseph and his family was allowed to worship their God before, you know, they all became slaves and all that generations later. That's true because even Pharaoh, during that time of famine— recognize the the quote-unquote god of joseph and yeah and they had sabbath and everything else back then too yeah so exodus twenty-eight fifteen, you shall make the breastplate of judgment artistically woven according to the worksmanship of the ephod you shall make it of gold blue purple and scarlet thread the fine woven linen you shall make it it shall be Doubled into a square, a span shall be its length, and a span shall be its width. Uh, if I understand a span, it is from um, wrist to fingertip. So from like the bottom of your wrist, if you were to bend your wrist back, it would be wrist to fingertip. That would be a, a quote-unquote span. Although I can't tell you what the standard Egyptian span was. All I know is the standard like cubit. And you should put... Span is like nine inches. Nine inches? Yeah. Okay. Span is nine inches or right. 22.86 centimeters. 
That's kind of funny, too, because remember what we said about the standard Egyptian cubit was about 18 and a half inches? So that would be half a cubit, roughly. And you should put settings of stones in it. Four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardis, a topaz, and an emerald. This shall be the first row. The second row shall be turquoise, sapphire, and diamond. The third row, a jacinth, jacinth, J-A-C-I-N-T-H. What is that? I have none of those. I have Ligure, an agate, and an amethyst. An agate. Agate, yeah. Agate, agate. For 19? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I have... different as well. I have jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. Okay. Yep. Jacinth. Jacinth. Jason? I, don't, I don't know what a jacinth is. Ooh. Uh, verse 20. And the fourth row, a barrel, onyx, and jasper. They shall be set in gold settings, and the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel. Twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, each one with its own name. They shall be according to the twelve tribes. You shall make chains for the breastplate at the end, like braided cord of pure gold. And you shall make two rings for the breastplate, and put two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. Then you shall put the two braided chains of gold into two rings, which are on the ends of the breastplate. And the other two ends of the two braided chains you shall fasten to the two settings and put them on the shoulder straps of the ephod in the front. I seriously wonder how much this thing weighed. Because apparently... I can honestly say back problems. Uh, well, I'm just saying, like, it says that the stones should be in settings of gold and the chain should be made of pure gold. I know it says chains, but it's also talking about braided gold. It almost sounds like it's a cable. Or something similar to a cable. I mean, I could be wrong on that one. Yeah, I'm thinking like a uh, chain mount protective. Uh, what is that oh, called? Oh, yeah. The knights so, put on, the, the uh, Norsemen's put on the chain mail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of like I that. Think that it's be, a gold I, chain mail, but kind of like a necklace strain. I think that it would be heavy for a reason. They said it was, a, um, my verse 15 says, a breastplate for making decisions. So if, if this was a breastplate that was only to be used for this purpose. There's a, there's a, a weight, there's a heaviness that has to go along with being the person to uh, make those decisions, to be that discerner, to be the, the, the priest, to be the, the mouthpiece for God. I think it makes sense to have something with literal weight to remind them of the weight of the decisions that they're going to be making. That is a good point. I mean, it, it had to have weighed... A lot. It, I, if I were to take a shot in the dark, I'd say a good 50-pound vest that he's, I, this guy's wearing. Only because it's covered in stones and gold and woven gold and other stuff. Uh, verse 26. You shall make two rings of gold and put them on the two ends of the breastplate and the edges of it, which is on the inner side of the ephod. And two other rings of gold you shall make and put them on the two shoulder straps underneath the ephod toward its front, right at the seam above the 
intrinsically woven band of the ephod. They shall bind the breastplate by means of rings to the rings of the ephod using the blue cord so that it is above the intrinsically woven band of the ephod and so that the breastplate does not come loose from the ephod. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of, of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart. When he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually, and you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. What's an Urim and a Thummim? Um, sounds mysterious. And, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's really fascinating because those seem to be what, like, made the decisions. So, like, I think those words don't even really have a great translation. Like, even people now don't really know, like, exactly what it's supposed to mean. They they um, actually do. Well, okay. Well, it's not, like, <laughs> light and something, but... It, yeah, you're you're right. You're right. It's yeah, about it's but, about lights. Go ahead. Right. No, that's all I know. <laughs> but somehow that like helped make decisions, which seems to me like kind of weird. Like I don't know if they like threw them, but it was like yeah. that's how they would determine God's will, right? It was by like let's consult these two things. Do you know how it <laughs> happened? And this one's weird to me. I'm going to tell you right now. This is weird to me. Okay, so like you, you guys see the image of the ephod, okay, right? So it's a three by four, right? Twelve tribes of Israel, obviously, right? And a name is on each one, right? Da, 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 da. And okay, so what they would do to decide these type of things is the stones would actually light up. God would supernaturally light the stones up when it came to making these kind of judgment calls about, you know, guilty, not guilty, it was this tribe's fault. Go to, you know, talk to this tribe. Like these kind of weird things that, because um, I mean, let, let's face it, for the most part, judgments are pretty straightforward. But then all of a sudden you have these weird judgments that you have to make a judgment call, but there's 10 witnesses and they're all saying something different and there's no, you know, clear answer. And apparently the high Moral priest, dilemma. what was that? The moral dilemma. Right. This moral dilemma of where do we go, God? And apparently the high priest would go into the holy place and he would pray to God, not the most holy place, because he only went there once a year, but the holy place and actually pray to God. And he would come out and his ephod, parts of the ephod would begin to glow and kind of answer the question that God was saying. So God literally would answer it through a, a peculiar mean. I'm just saying it's a weird thing. God would use it nonetheless. At least that's the best explanation I understand, Susanna. That almost makes me not feel bad for consulting yeah. runes. <laughs> consulting runes, it. right. Yeah, I was like, Lord, talk to me through these runes, please. Yeah, that was, no, I'm never doing that again. Hey, but, I, I, I'm just saying. <laughs> but at the same time, now you're talking about this. I'm like. It, 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 almo it almost reminds me of, and I know this is like, this is terrible, but it almost reminds me. Remember that eight ball thing that mm -hmm. like was a big thing in the 80s? And like you'd shake it That's and it'd come up. It's not a big thing up. now. Yeah, it, I don't know. I have no idea. 
<laughs> I know it's still in toy stores or toy stores uh, all over the place. So yeah, it's obviously still a thing somewhere. I think I think it's a culture norm now that. <laughs> Uh, I, I just did a quick Google search for Urum and Thuman. Yeah. So and dictionary, dictionary.com says two objects of a now unknown nature, possibly used for divination, worn on the breastplate. Um, I didn't have any other like explanation except for Wikipedia, which is a highly trusted source. So always <laughs> use it as a reference. Um, I really hope that was layered up. in sarcasm too. Wait, aren't those the stones that uh, Samuel used to uh, identify David as the next king? They, yeah, at one point. That was, uh, wow, I have a reference for that. First uh, Samuel 28, 6. We'll check this out, and then, Susanna, you can go ahead and jump in. 28, 6. And when Saul inquired of the Lord... The Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. In other words, using the ephod, he didn't. God did not answer him. He completely ignored him. Because so apparently, even up to the point of the kings, and you know Samuel, God was still using that as a common way of 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 guiding Israel. Susanna, did you have something? I'm sorry. Oh, I just found on Bible.org. <laughs> that uh, some translate Urim and Thummim to mean curse and blessing. Others simply mean dark and light, although the literal translation seems to be light and perfections. And it also says that th the word Urim, the first letter of that, is the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet, which is like al olive, olive, whatever. And then the first letter in the word Thuman is the Tav. So it's like the first and the last letters. So like in the New Testament, you know, they refer to God as the Alpha and the Omega. But like in Hebrew and the alphabet, that would have been the Olive and the Tav. And like that's like the letters in that. Right. Interesting. So he here's what my commentary says on mine. Uh, literally means, okay, so the Ermin, the Thuman, uh, literally means lights and perfections or curses and refers to two sacred objects that were carried in the breastplate of the high priest. Ermin meant no answer, and Thurman meant yes answer. The Bible... I'm, like, confused how how curse and perfections are, like, synonymous. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, was, I was thinking about that, too. Like, I was reading it. I was like, wait a second. Perfections or curse? Curses? Yeah. So, the one Poison Ivy and Batman. What? Robin is named... Curse and light. Wait, what? Curse Irma Thurman. Uma Thurman. Oh, <laughs> I, I actually I didn't even think about that. But no, I I think when it may, when it means perfection or curses, it almost makes it sound like it's you're working toward something. You know what I mean? Like you're you're being perfected. So yeah, you know I mean, what I, I mean? That's like that's what I would say. Like God's judgments are. You know, it's like the. The fire that, you know, yeah, perfects you. So I guess it's, it makes sense. I mean, loosely, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah. Right. So Synonyms, no, but like similar biblical meanings, maybe. <laughs> but apparently God used it nonetheless. Uh, but it sounds like in that, that one, that passage I just read in Samuel, it sounds like God apparently didn't even, because wasn't Samuel the high priest at that time? He was the judge. 
I thought Samuel was the high priest. Because remember Saul. It was either it was either both the high priest or judge. Either way, I think was it was judge. both. Yeah, because they had the judges before they had the kings. And yeah, Samuel was the last judge. Because I, 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 the only reason I say that is because remember when Saul tried to do the job of the high priest before he went to war, and then Samuel showed up and was like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" And like, kind of, you know, condemned him for everything that he was doing because it was I thought I thought it was Samuel's job. So I'm I'm gonna have to reread that. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So it almost seems to me like Samuel put on the ephod and was like, okay, I'll ask God, and nothing happened. <laughs> so God was silent <laughs> against him. So I don't know. It just seems it, – it does seem strange. But although I will say this, just as kind of a preface, just so – so like Tom used the word uh, divination and that kind of thing, we're not talking about human beings trying to spiritually divine something. No, we mean going to a divinity – and gaining, you know, knowledge. That's the kind of divination that we're talking about here. We're talking about actually approaching God himself. Just as a side note, Israel was allowed, and I believe it's talked about in Deuteronomy, Israel was allowed to do casting lots and these type of different things to divine God's will. But they were very specific kinds of casting lots. Now, I'm not putting this in the line of casting lot because this is like a very direct kind of like... You know, God's answering the high priest specifically. So you said that um, you're talking about curses and how um, it's explained for this this ephod, this breastplate. Um, so I, I looked it up and remember how we on one of our previous episodes, we went into a deep understanding of wages and how it's not like a linear thing. And a curse is a solemn utterance intended to invoke a supernatural power. You know, and so a lot of people look at it as a bad way or, you know, but it could be a good thing too. just this utterance, this, um, this, this curse is just allowing being a conduit for, for God's power to come through the, the Holy spirit to come through. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Cause this could be God, them reaching out to God type of thing. Yeah. All right. I'll go ahead and continue on verse 31. You shall make the robe of the ephod all blue. There shall be an opening for his head in the middle of it, and it shall have a woven binding all around its opening, like the opening in a coat of mail, so that it does not tear. And upon its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet, all around its hem, and bells of gold between them all around. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate, upon the hem of the robe all around. Verse 35, And it shall be upon Aaron when he ministers, and its sound will be heard, when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, that he may not die. You shall also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet. Holiness to the Lord. And you shall put it on, you shall put it on a blue cord and it shall be on the turban. It shall be on the front of the turban. So it shall be on Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel hollow in all their holy gifts 
and it shall always be on his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. Do you know what that's talking about with the bells, though? Like, later on, it talks, maybe Antonio, yeah, do you know about when he goes into the most holy place? It means if you don't hear the bells, he's dead. <laughs> Bring him out. <laughs> and you, you pull him out on a rope that you died. Yeah. No, I know, I know this is kind of like a preamble a lot into the temple ceremony, but basically whenever the whole, the high, by, by the way, the high priest was the only one allowed in the Holy of Holies, like in, in the presence of God. So the high priest would go in there, but if he wasn't sanctified before the Lord, if he wasn't pure in his heart, if he wasn't forgiven of his sins, like he didn't do a, a sin offering, da, 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 whatever it was, if he went in there with any iniquity, he would die on the spot instantly. And I believe, yeah, like Susanna, what did you say? He they even tied a rope around his foot before he went in there. Yeah, so like if the, if he died, they could pull him out because they couldn't go in there and get him. <laughs> right. I'm just notice I, the rope is blue. Right. <laughs> so it's just it's interesting to me that God was the one that kind of set up this. In case they die, I don't want anyone else going in there and dying because, you know, full of iniquity and, you know, we basically won't be able to reset this thing ever again. The first ever parachute cord. <laughs> I don't care how forgiven of my sins I am. I would always be a nerve wrack going in there if, it, yeah. if I ever had to go in there. Yeah. See, but I, you know, that's actually an interesting point, Antonio, because... I think it would be those who would who were full of pride that would go in there and die. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would think if you were a priest and you were humble and you went in there, you had better have that nerve-wracking feeling like, I don't belong here in the presence of God. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so verse 39. You shall skillfully weave the tunic of fine linen thread like Egyptian cotton. No, I put that one in there. You shall make the <laughs> turban of fine linen and you shall make the sash of woven work. For Aaron's sons you shall make tunics, and you shall make sashes for them, and you shall make hats for them, for the glory of, of for glory and beauty. There it is again. You shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall make for them linen trousers. Okay, hold on. That's a word I've never read before. Hold on. <laughs> Underpants. 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 Okay. I have breeches. Breeches. I like breeches. Breeches. Tidy whities. And make them linen. Mine says make linen undergarments. Oh, really? Okay. Linen breeches, linen undergarments to cover their nakedness. They shall reach from the waist to the thighs. Uh, they wait. Isn't the waist and thighs like connected together? No. So or, or is he talking he, about like this like is, this is proof that they wore boxers back then too? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like shorts, <laughs> like waist and thighs. <laughs> really? I'm picturing these as those things that the uh, sumo wrestlers wear. No, I know they they go down your from your waist to your thigh. They, oh yeah, <laughs> doesn't it wrap? I thought it wraps. I don't know. This says this says fine linen, so it had to have been something that was finely made, like we make clothes today. Like it would have been specifically made for this. 
I don't know. No, I'm not. Satin. I'm not googling this one, guys. Probably satin. It's got to be satin. <laughs> satin. Uh, they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place, that they do not incur iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and his descendants after him. Okay, I just want to, okay, so in my mind, this is what I'm envisioning. So they, they have a robe, right? They have a finely crafted robe. So was it common that the men and women of those days did not wear, like, undergarments? They just had a robe they would put over their body? So this is like an added I mean, layer so that they, they don't, like, they, trip they and fall. And... Yeah, probably. I mean... I know, I know I'm not might. trying to get too like PG-13 I, I, I think, here, or rated R here, okay, guys? I'm just... Yeah, I, it, I, I'm thinking maybe they had maybe sorts of undergarments. Maybe it was optional. Uh, maybe not everybody had the opportunity to have one. But yeah, and I think way, that... I think God is saying here that he prefers it if you're going to enter the most holy place. Well, no, it says even if you're working in the tabernacle. So, like, even when when they're at work in the tabernacle. Susanna? Oh, yeah, I think it's, I mean, as far as all of history goes, more um, modern where people have, like, everyone worn undergarments. That's what I And it's thinking. actually not super good for your health to wear them all the time. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, Bacteria, too, yeah. in uh, a lot of other temple cultures around the time, like, I mean, and you hear about the New Testament, too, you had, like, temple prostitutes like it's always oh. very like kind of seductive and they probably wore more seductive clothing so like this also just kind of set them apart to like take that extra extra step of modesty to like say like we're not trying to do that or trying to be different that is a good point this would set israel way apart number one there's no women right. priests doing what they do there's men and they're very well they're very well dressed and I right. don't mean like nicely dressed. I mean, well dressed, like they're, they're there to do work for the Lord. Right. We've been talking about the weight of this. And I know you said you didn't want to get into anatomy very much, but with, with all these dangly bits that are back and forth, bells and pomegranates and gold and things, <laughs> there has to be some protection. All right. And I, I, I think that, I think that the undergarments are there to help, keep attention like be able to allow them to concentrate and not be worried by those distractions of possible pain and self-injury brought to, about by all these holy things that they're they're, they're they're having hanging on them that you know i i think i would agree with tom like i think that would be an added like just not just like a comfort or like a modesty thing but i think it would be it would be like a that's that's a good point. <laughs> Anybody else ever notice how this mirrors a Catholic uh, ceremonial dress? Well, the the not just Catholic. There's like some other denominations, Catholic form, like Orthodox. But I, I was going to say the early church once you know Constantine and and that kind of stuff happened, where Rome adopted Christianity as a a the religion of the state. They started adopting and really mashing all of these faith systems together. So they t would take Christianity, their pagan belief systems, Jewish systems, because they really like their ceremonies and kind of mashed them all together 
and now we yeah, have this conglomerate. And take the uh, the turbine for example. It's it's almost like the fish head that they that the uh, the pope wears in some of the bishops. Oh, I guess I guess I didn't realize that. And if you get the uh, what is it, the burning coals, the sensor. There's a there, they have a slightly different version of a sensor. Oh wow! So, I sent over one of my favorite posters. <laughs> Just kind of reminded me. Um, of the whole topic, girding your loins. Oh, so this is how to gird your loins. So yeah, they would take their robe and tie it up and around so they could run or fight. Yeah, it's like so practical, you know, and this is what Antonio was talking about when he was picturing something being like tied, you know, it's like they wore tunics. And so they had to like secure themselves so they like had this way of tying their tunic <laughs> well even paul said that when he was talking to one of the one of the churches and he said like girding up your loins and getting ready for the race and you know that kind of thing like getting ready to do something now that i see it i understand it <laughs> <laughs> so by the way all of those of you listening to the episode today i do apologize that the last 10 minutes were talked about we talked about underwear That'll probably be the last time because I don't know how often undergarments are brought up in scripture. <laughs> I, I think though a big takeaway, if I could, if I could take a, a big takeaway from all of this, like just the whole garments thing is that it says he wants, and I think this whole sentence right here in verse 41, it says, so you shall put them on Aaron, your brother and his sons with him. You shall, and this is God speaking to Moses. You shall anoint them, comma, consecrate them comma and sanctify them that they may minister to me as priests and the the only reason i emphasize that is is not because of the fancy clothes but it's the fact that god actually cared that they were set aside because even sanctify sanctify means set aside for a holy purpose and so i just i'm just saying these clothes actually mattered to god that it was done according to him because it's not, let me, let me, I guess I could, maybe I can emphasize, you guys can uh, give me your input on this one. It's not about how fancy the clothes were. It's not about the gold. It wasn't about the gems. It wasn't even about the engravings on the gems. It's about the obedience to what God was trying to have them do. I think it wasn't just the obedience. I think that was um, important, but, I think it was their symbolics. He put a some of the symbolism. Symbol, symbolism behind each and everything. You know, we don't see it exactly here in this chapter. We do see a couple of things, such as, you know, there was a reason why he wanted the names of Israel as well as the children of Israel, because they represent something. The names itself represent something. With God, there was always a some type of reminder, a symbol that reminded somebody of something that he tries to teach us. Well, I think it's interesting, too, that um, it talks about how, you know, they'll be this is to show that they're the anointed ones and the set apart ones. And word for anointed one is Messiah. So it's like the high priest specifically were supposed to represent, you know, the Messiah, the set apart holy one. And then, you know, who do we see as our great high priest later is, you know, the the Messiah. Right. Actually, I, I believe Christ means anointed one. 
Ray. <laughs> it's not his last name, for those of you. <laughs> for the longest time, I what? thought that was his last name. Hey, we would play the name. You mean I, Da Vinci isn't a last name either? I, I, I work at a factory, and, and we would play the name game, and it was just, you know, first name, last name, da 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 and you go through it. So many people try to try to pass off Jesus Christ as <laughs> as a J name, and I'm like, ha-ha, he didn't have a last name, technically. Christ was his title, not his name. <laughs> he had a last name. It was of Nazareth. <laughs> so, the, so the next name, you'd have to go... You know, Nephilim or something. All right, everybody. Uh, I guess we will go ahead and close out in a word of prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your holy word. Uh, we thank you for the conversation, Lord. Uh, we pray, Lord, as this uh, day continues on, wherever we may be, whoever may be listening, including ourselves, Father, that you'll help this conversation to have grown us, Father, and that you'll show somebody uh, to us that we can share this story with and uh, about your specifics, Lord, even in your tabernacle. Uh, we love you so much, and we thank you for all of this in your, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Well, this has been Justin. This is Tom. This is Antonio. And this is Susanna. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We will see you later. Bye. Bye. Wish we could wave at them audibly. But waves are silent. Now listen. Just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. That sounds like a really good title for this. The Invention of Underwear. <laughs> it's, it's clickbait all day. I see London. I see France. No, I see man. somebody's underpants. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most of them probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you. <laughs>